The Pittsburgh Steelers have put in their first request to interview a potential offensive coordinator, and it's Zach Robinson, the quarterback's coach and pass game coordinator of the Rams. What would he bring to the table, and what would you want to see from his offense under Sean McVay brought to the Steelers to bring up their offense? All that here and more on the Locked On Steelers podcast, including final grades begin with our Stars and Skulls accumulation. Alan Saunders joins us today. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers. Your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show in your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel, make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. More on them later. As I said before, we're joined by the man himself, Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. He's back on the show. We love having him on every Tuesday. Alan, big Steelers news as far as just getting the first insight. Everyone was waiting for the shooter drop. When would they start be putting in their interview request? That has now begun. They have now put in an official request to interview Rams uh, quarterback coach and, and uh, passing game coordinator Zach Robinson, who's been with the Rams for about five years now. He's uh, he's a guy that kind of worked his way into being their quarterbacks coach, you know, was also their receivers coach. So he's worked with Cup. He's worked with Woods. He's worked with Stafford. And he's been a part of that offense bringing to the table. What is your first reaction to Zach Robinson being their first interview to look at as far as bringing them bringing him into the organization? I'm pretty shocked that he's the first interview. He was a guy that we had on our list in terms of names, mostly because it seems like he's a very hot interview candidate this cycle. He already interviewed with the Bears. He scheduled an interview with the New England Patriots today. He also had a request put in by the Las Vegas Raiders. It seemed like in terms of that McVay coaching tree, which has been really sought after around the NFL for a couple of years now, you've seen guys like Shane Waldron, guys like Zach Taylor have come out of that and, and gotten jobs other places. It sure seemed like if you were going to the McVay tree and looking for, okay, who's the next guy? Zach Robinson was the answer. Um, but the reason I was so surprised is he just doesn't seem to fit the Steelers' typical MO. I mean, he's 37 years old. He's very young. It would be by far the youngest coordinator Mike Tomlin has ever hired. He does not have experience as an NFL play caller, which Tomlin said last Thursday that uh, was a priority for him in finding someone to fill this job. And, you know, it just doesn't seem like that's typically the way the Steelers do business. Uh, there were a lot of people that I thought were much more obvious candidates and much more obvious fits for this job for the Steelers than Zach Robinson. So I was pretty surprised when I found out that he was going to be the first interview, and I'm not sure what really to make of that, whether it is a sign that uh, the priorities might be a little bit different than we had first assumed or j just that they got the weird one out of the way first. I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and find out until we get some more of these so we can really find all of those answers. Right. There's a, there's, there's a lot to kind of, you know, 
figure out right now. There's nothing definitive. It doesn't mean he's their top candidate right now. There might be some other thing. There could be. It could mean he's the top candidate, but we don't know yet. We got to wait and fi- figure that out. Um, but let, let's talk about what Robinson brings to the table as far as what kind of system he's worked under with Mike LaFleur, who's the offensive coordinator for the Rams right now, and as far as how you know how, how things would work. One thing I noticed when I was I, I went back and uh, you know let's be clear, this happened in the middle of the day. Um, you're actually kind of late in the day, uh, you know, for, for when this when this announcement came out. Um, so I, I kind of me- immediately went to work looking up film uh, with the Rams. Of course, they played the Steelers, but I was like, let's see how they played against two of the teams, the Steelers, de- two of the defenses that are really good. The Steelers are going to have to face every year. That's the Browns and the Ravens right now. And uh, looking up, they did pretty well. They beat the they beat the Browns up pretty badly, and they put up 31 points in the Ravens. Uh, you know, in, in an overtime game that the, that the Ravens found a way to pull out. Uh, but one thing I noticed schematically, and this was the big big thing for me, was their use of pre snap motion and motion at the snap. Their use of motion to help identify things and try to get leverage in their favor was a very at a very high rate. Uh, they had the on the season they had the third most. Uh, pre-snap motion in general 70 percent of their plays had it uh 44 of their plays had motion you know being active from a player at the time of the snap that's second most in the nfl motion at the snap third most in the nfl uh for pre-snap motion in general um and the steelers they weren't too crazily far off like you know steelers motion at the snap was ninth with ninth in the nfl uh, pre-snap motion total was 10th in the NFL. So they were in the top 10 in those usage. But one thing I, it seemed like this offense was able to do for the Rams was, uh, their motion identified things. Stafford was able to use that, calculate where, where teams were going. And I got, and already just looking at the two games with the Browns and the Ravens and trying to look at it from an all 22 aspect, you could tell he was using it. Okay. They're in zone. They're in man. We're going here. We have this, this counter plan. It seemed like every time, it had a purpose to get something open, whereas with the Steelers, sometimes it just seemed like window dressing and it didn't do things. And that was something that you've talked about on this very show during the season, Alan. And I think one big component is if they can get someone that can bring, hey, the high motion usage, that can help Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph or whoever you want to be your quarterback. But you want it to also be pointed to get the offense going in the right direction and use it for something. Yeah, I think the motion is an important part of what the Rams do. The other one for me is play action. Mm. And I think it's, a you know, I went up and looked at um, the play action for, for this year. So uh, for Matt Stafford this year, 97 play action attempts, 1,013 yards. That's 11 yards per attempt. The three Steelers quarterbacks combined this year, 64 play action attempts, only 461 yards, 7.2 yards per attempt. So almost uh, double. They're almost half again as many yards per attempt and more than double the total yardage and in terms of play action success. And I think if you're someone that's watched a lot of the Steelers offense, I just feel like it's been screaming for someone to come in and be like, hey, you guys run the ball really well and your quarterback's play is just okay. Why don't you do a lot more play action? And, and, you know, like, I feel like that's uh, something that's sort of going to be a free space for whichever person gets hired as the Steelers offensive coordinator. I don't think I'm doing any, like, crazy in-depth analysis here. I assume anyone who's good enough to get this job can see what I'm seeing, but I think it certainly makes it easier to execute when you're talking about a guy who's come from a scheme that has been doing it at a high level. 
Absolutely. And I also want to put point this out, especially this year. The Rams were a pretty balanced offense. Like people are going to look at it. Oh, he's the quarterback's coach. He's the pass game coordinator. He's just going to be looking to air it out. The Rams ranked 10th in passing yards, 11th in rushing yards. And that was what I think keyed their offense. And that's what the Steelers are trying to be. They're not trying to be just a ground and pound team. They're not trying to be a team that airs it out all the time. They want to be a balanced offense that keeps you off the look. And that's how you make it easier for a quarterback like Kenny Pickett and Mason Ruff or whoever they bring in who, you know, won't be, you know, a top five or even a top 10 quarterback. That's how you make it easier on them to process the field, take advantage of different things teams are trying to do. And, and be efficient on offense so that you can actually produce something out, out there, uh, you, know, we, you know, drive in and drive out. Yeah, I mean, that's why this offense has been sought after around the NFL. This is why everyone wants Sean McVay's disciples, right? It's not just because, like, he's a handsome guy and he has, like, crazy statistical recall and he's funny. Like, like this stuff works, and everybody wants to get their hands on it. That's why four teams are interviewing a 37-year-old who's only been an NFL coach for five years. I do think there's some risks to this proposition here when you're talking about someone who's not necessarily done the job before, and there's good reasons why Mike Tomlin put that in his list of qualifications and probably something we can continue to get into here absolutely um I, yeah i think we're, we could talk a lot more about this because i also want to talk about what does this offense look like if robinson were to come in because this is still an offense that's investing into the offensive line that i still don't think should change up its trajectory of trying to maybe draft a center at an offensive tackle still beef up this offensive line to run the ball better and protect the quarterback more and use its playmakers in ways. We'll talk about different ways they can do that here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Don't go anywhere. We still got a lot to discuss. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. The NFL playoffs are here, as well as the, the NFL the Conference Championship games, so you too can win big with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. You don't even have to win it anymore. All you have to do is put down 5 bucks on a money line bet when you when you sign up at FanDuel, and you get $150 back in bonus bets. Those are bonus bets that can that could go to anything from props. From, from prop bets to parlays uh to to over unders anything you could think of that, that FanDuel offers betting wise they're gonna they're gonna have it there and you could and you could put your five bucks down there and then get your get your 150 dollars back in bonus bets and it's an app that you can download right to your phone today that's super easy to use they have so many different ways to bet on things like live same game parlays find bets on on their new explore tab where you can find the best odds and ends all across FanDuel's platform you can make a parlay in the parlay hub which is the best way to find what are the most popular plays to build the ultimate parlays so many ways to win you've got to try it right now at, at FanDuel America's number one sports book whether it spreads player props over unders so much more go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to place your first but to make your first bet a layup that's FanDuel official partner of the NFL Back here in the Locked On Steelers podcast, Chris Carter, Alan Saunders from SteelersNow.com. Let's keep rolling here about the talk about what the Steelers this offense you know needs to do. And again, this is not guaranteeing that Robinson's the guy. Like you said, he's interviewing with four other teams. There could be a lot of things. I'm, I'm sure the Steelers are going to talk to you know multiple multiple other candidates uh, down down the line. But 
I, I think, again, the priority is the Steelers have playmakers on offense. Deontay Johnson is a playmaker. George Pickens is a playmaker. Pat, Pat Fryermuth, you know, uh, you know, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. One thing I think that absolutely ne- that never manifested that needed to happen to be part of this offense was getting the running backs involved in the passing game, which they just never did outside of sending him to the flat. And, and that's those are all part of the things that if you have an offense that's using pre-snap motion in, in, in the best way and getting guys to be identified, getting the defense to tell, hey, they're in man, they're in zone, that this is the matchup we can get. That's how you can start getting guys in easier situations to make it a simpler way to predict what the defense is going to do and simplify the options for guys like Kenny Pickett, who at times was really clutch for the Steelers, but at, at plenty of other times, looked confused and lost as far as where to go with the football or even where to go just with his eyes. Now, I'm not sure that the Rams use the running backs in the passing game a lot more than the Steelers do. You know, Kyron Williams, not maybe skill set wise the same. You know, I think Jalen Warren had more catches than all the Rams running backs combined, but they don't really have a guy like that. So I'm not sure if we can really take anything away from that. But, you know, I think the part about Kenny Pickett is really uh, interesting because, you know, I'm not sure we really know what went wrong with Kenny Pickett, right? Was it that the offense was bad and dumb and that Kenny Pickett was unable to succeed in it because it didn't work? Or did Kenny Pickett just not get coached up in the right way to be able to learn the offense and do what he needs to do? And I think the fact that Mason Rudolph had some success makes me lean towards the second of those two things, right? And so, like, as much as this hire would be about Zach Robinson's scheme that he would be, you know, assuming we're going to, he would bring the McVay scheme to Pittsburgh, it's about the coaching of Kenny Pickett, too. And I think that's probably the part where, looking at this from the outside, it's a lot harder to judge, right? I mean, he comes onto the scene, Matt Stafford is already a finished product. Like, it's not like we can credit him for the development of Matt Stafford. They've never had a developmental backup quarterback. It was John Wolford and then it was Carson Wentz this year. Like, it's not like he was building up some younger guy. So, I mean, he was an NFL quarterback. I think that plays in his favor. He was a high level college quarterback. He did do some coaching things. He worked with Mason Rudolph among others in helping them with their pre-draft prep in those years where he had an elbow injury and that's why he left uh, football at a pretty young age. And and he was trying to get into coaching. That's one of the things that he was doing, but it's not like this. This is a person that has this long track record of developing successful quarterbacks. And so I think from the outside, I'm not saying he can't do it. I don't know. Maybe he'll be very good at it, Uh, but that it's something that's very hard for us to evaluate. I think, you know, is how is he going to help Kenny Pickett? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure we have the right answer to that question right now. Well, that's that's part of what I wanted to get into you because you guys have been tracking like all the different candidates that could be looked at right now as far as the best options uh, for the for the Steelers. And, and part of something that you and I talked about was having a guy who is the offensive coordinator who knows how to talk to quarterbacks, knows how to organize and not just talk to, but organize the week plan going into it. Like like every week, no, this is what you're doing. And I think that's. That's the one thing that Eddie Faulkner was able to bring to the to, to the offense when he took over as interim OC was like, hey, this is the week. This is the plan of attack. 
let's go get him with this, but and at least set the tone. But you need a guy who knows how to do that with the system that's going to make things easier. And like you said, it's about coaching them up, making sure that weekend, day in and day out at practice and in film studies, Kenny Pickett isn't having to guess and be disorganized. Football is too complicated of a game to not know where you're supposed to be looking. You have to have those things. You have to train that. And that's where you could use that. And that's something that we talked about on this show. I said all I said all season long, the play calls aren't as much of, my, of a bugaboo for me. It's the fact that this looks discoordinated dis- or uncoordinated as far as a group because the they coordination. don't have a collective plan. The coordination, <laughs> the which is the job. coordination exactly. was the problem. It was not necessarily the contents of the playbook or the plays that were called in the order, right? And so I do think that is one of the things that when you have a candidate that is experienced, you just have a better grasp of what they're going to be like in that area. It's not that Zach Robinson can't be good. It's just that I think you have a lot less certainty. And I wonder, and this is why we had Zach Robinson lower on our board, and this is why I was surprised that he was the first name. Because if you're looking at the Steelers' situation, you know one of the problems this year was that it was hard to separate what was a Matt Canada problem from what was a Kenny Pickett problem. It was really hard to know mm-hmm. what was the bigger issue with the offense. And I think if you have someone that is not a proven commodity, you set yourself up to still have those issues, right? If you hire an offensive coordinator that's never done it before, then if things don't look coordinated, is it is it bad coordinating? Or is it just that Kenny Pickett can't get it? Like, I think the Steelers would prefer to find a candidate who has had so much success in his career that if Kenny Pickett fails with that man as offensive coordinator, you they know. can just say it was Kenny Pickett. Sorry, yeah. we just screwed up, and he was a bad choice, and we're moving on. I think that would be the Steelers' best scenario. But maybe that's not out there. And maybe Zach Robinson is a guy they really like and they feel like has, even though he hasn't had proven success, may have more potential than someone who's a, you know, been there, done that, a retread type of hire like a Daryl Beevil or um, – you know, an Alex Van Pelt or an Arthur Smith, right? Guys that have had the job before, maybe they think he has a higher ceiling. Maybe they think he can be someone that can take this offense and this franchise to another level. And in that case, it's probably a risk worth taking. But I think it's hard for us in our seat to really evaluate those chances in a fair way. I'm right with you on that. It's just, it's tough to look at that. And again, this is just a preliminary process. This is just the interviews to see, you know, who, who wants to go where and and the Steelers, I think the Raiders added their name to the list too. So like, it's still something that's not a definitive thing. Um, And I think it'll be interesting to see as this candidate list grows, who else gets included here? Because I'm right with you that I, I even think the better approach for the Steelers might be you know, finding that OC that's been there and done that before, who's run the run offenses before and worked with quarterbacks to develop them. And then you can add the guys that are the passing game coordinators that are the quarterback coaches. The I also have a pass game coordinator, have, have a person that that's specific specified. They, they don't, I know that they don't believe in putting more, you know, you know, you know, cooks in the kitchen, but, uh, I think that's something that the Steelers need to embrace, and that comes down to the Roonies and how they want to, or you know, how they want to, you know, pay pay their uh, their coaching staff uh, and build that out. But I think a big part of this is maybe you have the guy that knows how to set the room and you know has a plan itself, but include 
you know, find ways to sprinkle in dudes that are from this offense. You know, if if not a Zach Robinson, some of that might work under him because Zach Robinson just a couple years ago, he was the assistant quarterbacks coach. He wasn't the quarterbacks coach. You know, he he had to work his way up from coaching receivers to being assistant on quarterbacks, then coaching quarterbacks, then getting the pass game coordinator. And now he's being looked at for offensive coordinator. If you can find guys in those systems that, hey, like, I'm an innovative young guy and I'm trying to earn my way up and I know these systems, I'm in these rooms and in these meetings, I'm going to bring my, my, you know, the, my, my space, my spice, my flavor from these other systems to add to this experienced offensive coordinator who knows what they're doing. And then that collective might be the look that you're trying to build here as far as an offensive uh, coaching staff. I think that works. You can also do it the other way too. You can hire your Zach Robinson and then you can try to find, mm. you know, guy. Okay, well, all right. Well, so then we need a quarterbacks coach who just has a lot of experience, or we need to hire a senior offensive analyst, right? Uh, let let's go bring Frank Reich in if he doesn't get another job, right? Right. Let's go bring in, um, you know, someone who's done this for a long time at a high level. To I mean, like, look, it, it's 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 a patronizing term, but you know, to, to babysit, to to be to be that person that has been there and done that, and make sure that this is going uh, the way it's supposed to be going. I think it can work both ways, and I think there's a very good possibility that when you look at the board of candidates that we have, like thirty deep there at SteelersNow.com, it's right on the front page and and in the menu bar, our OC candidate big board. I think there's a real chance we see two of those guys getting hired. The Steelers just did this, by the way, when they looked at general manager candidates. They hired Omar Khan, and then they had interviewed Andy Weidel to be the general mm -hmm. manager, bring him back as the assistant general manager. I think it's very, very possible that we could see the Steelers bring in two of this group of people that we're talking about. So if you're going to go with one experienced guy and one, and one up-and-coming guy, maybe you can work it either way. That could that could be very interesting. I really I really think the Steelers, if they could do that, because here's the other thing, and I I I actually had this conversation with Mark Blurgan of uh, Believe in Steelers uh, earlier on Monday uh, on his show, and I think if the Steelers are to do that, because as we know, if you're a good offensive coordinator, you're getting head coached fast like you know you know guys guys are gonna uh, want to snack you up. So say say Zach Robinson does does come in at OC, and in two years time. Kenny Pickett is efficient and he's throwing the ball over the place and the Steelers go from having the 28th ranked offense to the 12th ranked offense, not even top 10. But if you see that flip, everyone's going to one, the Steelers are going to be a lot better of a football team. They're going to be a serious contender. And then two, everyone's going to want him. And as soon as everyone wants him, you're going to already want a guy who learned under him to not only maintain, but further evolve that offense that, that, that you guys have now sparked. And that's where it comes down to what you're saying as far as don't just hire the guy at the OC, make sure that you have the, the position coaches that you brought, that you're bringing in that are ready to ascend up because that's the whole point of inside hires is that, Everyone at some point is an outside hire. Like everyone, no, no one was born into being a Steelers offensive assistant. But you hope that when you bring in Todd Haley was close. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that's a very good point. Todd Haley is as close to being born into being a Steelers coach, Steelers as coaching assistant as possible with his dad. But uh, point being, like you, you hope to bring in guys that can be the future behind the guy that you think is going to be the present. And that's what they have to do with their upcoming offensive hires. And really more than anything, that's what we haven't seen from these Steelers coaching staffs recently. Like they've tried, they've gone to back-to-back -back internal hires at quarterback at a quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. And it's, it's not working out. They don't have 
that depth of coaching that you need to pull off that strategy. And whoever they hire as offense coordinator, they're going to fix that too. Absolutely. Uh, we, we'll talk more about this as, as time goes on. We're going to have – uh, uh, we're going to have some locked on contributions uh, as, uh, as as we go throughout the week because uh, Travis Rogers of Locked On Rams, who we actually did a show with this year uh, for Crossover Thursday, he's going to send uh, send me his thoughts. We'll include that on tomorrow's episode as we keep talking about Zach Robinson and us as well as other uh, candidates that, that that get talked to here uh, by the Steelers during the process. But all year long, we've been doing stars and skulls. We've been looking at grades week by week. Now is the start of when we start to roll out our final grades for the season. We've got running backs and tight ends on the other side of this break. Where did your favorite running backs and tight ends of the Steelers rank with their final grades? We'll go over that here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast right after this. But first, I want to talk to you about our great sponsors at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. That's why Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You can get killer deals on last-minute tickets with NB and have a best price guarantee that can't be beat so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. Download the Game Time app today or go to their website, GameTime.co. When you download the app, it allows you to look right on your phone in real time, even if you're running up to an hour late to your event, and see what are the best tickets. Not just the best tickets as far as price-wise, but also the best views that are still available. So that way you're beating the scalpers because you're getting better prices than that. And you're beating the ticket booth because you're getting the better prices and you're getting the views to make sure you're not getting scammed out, out, out of getting uh, p- picking bad seats just because you thought it was a great price. That's where game time is the best of both worlds. You get exclusive flash deals on anything. And that includes if you want to go to, to one of these conference championship games or, or a basketball game, a baseball game, co- hockey game, concerts, comedy, theater events, game time is everywhere. And you got to be, be there to, to believe it get in the game time best price guarantee means that you'll always get the price best price if you get tickets from game time and then find tickets in the same section row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference of those prices that's how confident game time is going to get you the best price snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on for 20 dollars off your first purchase or go to the website gametime.co terms of supply create an account redeem code locked on for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, Chris Carter, Alan Saunders, breaking things down. As I said, we're doing our final grades here, which now are accumulating all the stars and all the skulls throughout the season. If you remember, our, throughout the EO, each game, you get one to three stars or one to three skulls. We also had bus ticket grades uh, for the exceptionally bad games, but no bus ticket grades among the running backs and tight ends. They all were actually pretty solid for the most part. Let's start with the tight ends real quick. We'll go with the third string tight end. That was Connor Hayward. Allen, I gave him on the year four stars, two skulls, no bus tickets. That's good enough for a C grade. It's kind of a I, I don't I didn't print out a whole rubric of how it goes, but basically, if he had gotten like uh, a, you know three more stars than skulls, he would have gotten like a C plus. I think if it's like five or six more, you get in the B range and, and like that and third. But I thought Connor Hayward was solid. You know, he wasn't used a ton, but when he was used, he found he found ways to be useful. You're on mute. I, I didn't think I thought this was a very good way to put it. You know, I, I didn't think they used him a lot. I didn't think they found like I think the the the, the bigger issue for me with Connor Hayward was like why where were the roles, where were the creative roles for Connor yeah. Hayward? Like yeah. more than what did Connor Hayward do 
when he got a chance to do his job, I thought he was fine. You know, he has always been a guy with a, a very unique skill set. I'm not quite sure that they had a the right game plan to unlock him to his fullest potential, but um, his great hands, I, you know, I thought he, he runs the ball well. I, I think that he had a solid season, so he's a pretty appropriate grade. Uh, I appreciate that. Moving right along, Darnell Washington. I gave him eight stars and only one skull in the season. Those eight stars really became because he was such a good blocker for the Steelers at times, and especially during the month where they were missing Pat Fryermuth. I thought he really stepped up and, and helped them there. They needed to involve him a lot more in the passing game. He was wide open for so many games. But I thought his contributions, he there weren't too many times where I felt like his blocking blew up a play or you know they threw it to him in a, in a situation where he blew a play, which is why he only had really one skull in the season. So that gives him a B- minus on the year. Anytime you're talking about a rookie, I really care about how they end the season. And I thought he ended the season with some of his best football. There were some struggles throughout. I mean, it wasn't like you, know, you look at the guy, you look at his physique, and you think, all right, this guy can block. And it, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like dominating. You know, it was okay. Early in the year, they really had a hard time when they brought him in and they would go to tight end. Other teams would counter with heavier defenses and mm-hmm. win. And they were not, they were not winning. I felt like a big difference at the end of the year especially in those games against Baltimore and Seattle in week 17 and 18, when they went heavy, they won against heavy personnel. And a big part of that was the development throughout the course of the year of Darnell Washington as a more consistent blocker. He's always had the physical ability. I just think he got more consistent. I think Pat Fryermuth got better too. And I think we're going to talk about him next. We are. He actually got a similar grade B minus for him. He had eight, eight stars, two skulls. The biggest thing with Pat Fryermuth is that he was injured for a, for a big chunk of the year. So he missed time. And I think that prevented him from building up more, but the Steelers also just didn't use him. And whoever is the offensive coordinator, that is also part of this. So increased play action, increased pre-snap motion that's useful for the offense, and get this guy involved because he is too good of a talent. Mike Tomlin even said he's one of the emerging leaders on the team. They need to find a way to get him. This the eight stars, the eight stars are not indicative of Pat Fryermuth as much as it is indicative of the Steelers' lack of finding ways to use him. And he, he, I'll also say throughout the year, and you and I talked about this when he came back from his injury, I thought he was a better blocker this season, which did help his grade. Yeah, I thought he blocked better as the year went on. Uh, you know, look, this is a really difficult offseason for the Steelers and Pat Fryermuth. He's entering the final year of his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. That's usually when the Steelers would be looking at negotiating a contract extension. How do you set value on this guy? They barely tough. use him. Like, Real tough. you know, I, I don't know. I think it's it's going to be a really difficult um, thing to do. If I'm Pat Fryermuth, I think I have a lot higher uh opinion of my own abilities that maybe the stats would lead you to believe. And I, you know, I, I, I have a hard time saying he's wrong about that, but I don't know how that translates to dollars and cents on pen and paper in terms of an offer. We could be looking at one of these situations where we see a guy go, go in and actually play out the last year of his contract, just because I think he's so much better than the Steelers have been able to show on the yeah. field and it's not really a lot of his fault. I do think his blocking struggled at the beginning of the year and got a lot better as the year went on. But, man, just as a receiver, he's so much more dangerous than they've allowed him to be. And I think it's really put them in a tough spot when we're talking about him and his future with the team. I agree. I agree. That's why I didn't. I, it's not a harsh grade. B minus isn't reflection as much of him as much as the Steelers need to use him more. Let's get to the running backs, though. And there were only two running backs to grade because that's all they really used all year. Um, and, uh, they graded pretty high. We'll start with Jalen Warren. I on okay. the season. 
uh, uh, on the season, I gave him 19 stars, only two skulls. Of course, no bus tickets. That's good enough for an A minus by our by our scales um, to show what the what what he did. I, I thought Jalen Warren. You know, there were some games down uh, late in the game. I think like in that Ravens game when he fumbled the ball. That's where you saw like you want Anaji Harris to kind of to kind of be able to take over games, but. His explosiveness, his ability to create after contact, the, the the change of pace. I continue to say this: the Steelers might have the best one-two running back punch in, in the NFL, and Jalen Warren is a is literally a huge part of it. I, I keep saying this, but I mean, build the whole airplane out of Jalen Warren. Just like <laughs> you, you cannot ask for more from a football player in terms of his effort, his intensity, his love for the game, how hard he plays. Uh, he never quits on any play. I just think he's a perfect Pittsburgh Steeler. I think it's probably been oversaid in some instances about like he's bad. He's been better than Najee Harris on a per rush basis consistently over his two seasons and even better this year than he was last year. I think they're just a group that works better together than they would either of them separately. Uh, I, and I think the key for the Steelers is figuring out, like you said in that Ravens game, oh, hey, it's just not Jalen's day. Let's go to Najee. If you remember earlier in the year, there was a game mm-hmm. at Cleveland where mm-hmm. it was clearly Jalen's day, and yep. it was still Najee running the ball late in the game, getting stuffed and forcing the Steelers to punt the ball away. I think that is the key. They have to. They have a great partnership. I think the Steelers can do a better job of maximizing what they get out of that one-two punch than they did this year. Absolutely. And Najee Harris's final grade, very similar to Jalen Warren's. I gave him 21 stars, three skulls, also good for an A-minus grade. I mean, A-minuses from your running backs rooms collect- collectively – that's a very good sign. And also when you consider the tight ends, we threw, we threw in here, you got two B minuses and at worst it was a C and the C is just because Connor Hayward just wasn't used that much. This is also part of what I would challenge whoever the Steelers next offensive coordinator is, is to find ways, more creative ways to get these guys involved because these are big bodies who could be, Tough matchup challenges for for defenses. If you bring them out there and you spread them out, these I, I think you want you can get these the running backs more involved in the passing game, but also the tight ends more involved in the passing game. Connor Hayward can make some tough catches and and run hard. Darnell Washington, I I know that he's still working on his route running, but he has the frame to be very dangerous and the strength and the speed to be very dangerous, uh, and, as well as Pat Fryermuth. Um, I, I think that's where that's why I wanted to include these grades with this episode because I think that getting them in this is in, uh, getting them involved is going to be huge. Najee Harris finished with the fourth most 15 plus yard runs in the NFL, tied with Raheem Mostert, who he also tied with with uh, break it with broken tackles on the season. I think that was seventh most in the NFL. Um, but I think both him and Jalen Warren A minuses this year. And again, that's without a finished offensive line. We'll do offensive line grades at some point over the next couple of weeks here as we're rolling out, you know, positions uh, by positions. But if you get these two guys, a serious offensive line, I mean, a, a really good center, one more tackle, and the guards and, 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 and Broderick Jones keep progressing together well with those two new additions, this could be an extremely dangerous group. And the and the, it's it's the thing that I think get like there are some people that I I saw on you know Twitter and saying like oh the, the Steelers team is very far away from contention and I'm mm. okay they're far away in that the things that they don't have are hard to find 
quarterback. Really good offensive coordinators and, and really good quarterback play. Yeah. But they have a lot of the rest of it. Like, yep. it's not like they are a team without talent. Um, they're a team without consistent talent in, in very important areas. But, like, who has better running backs than the Steelers? Really? It's a good question. Maybe like Miami. I don't know. Like just Christian McCaffrey and literally anyone. I like you can make that argument, I guess. But like I, you know, it's it it's a it's a solid strength. That's for sure. Absolutely. Those are our grades. Let us know what you thought of our grades of the tight ends and Steelers running backs. Uh, we'll have more on on the other positions moving forward. Alan Saunders. Thanks so much for joining us here to talk about the first OC interview candidate and Zach Robinson. We'll have more on Robinson on this show throughout the week as we learn more and also new candidates that roll in. But Alan, let people that can find you, follow you and get more of your work. At A Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, PGH Steelers Now, sites account SteelersNow.com. We got our OC big board up there. We got Nick Farabaugh breaking down Zach Robinson. Um, I'm probably going to write up to today about uh, some combination guys mm. where if you bring in a coordinator, does mm. he have a ready-made quarterback to come with him? Ooh, I like the thoughts of that. Check that all at SteelersNow.com for all their great work there. Alan, thank you. And thank you all for tuning into the Lockdown Steelers podcast. It, uh, we are we are here always on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel. Get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes that we talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers here. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Back tomorrow with more on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers Podcast. Thank you.